It was a tweet that was heard halfway around the world, and diplomatic relations between Canada and Saudi Arabia are now hanging by a thread. Hello and welcome to the Unpublished Cafe. I'm at hand. Diplomatic tension is on the rise between the two countries after Canada's Global Affairs Ministry tweeted at the Saudi government condemning the arrest of two female bloggers who have been critical of the regime. Since the tweet heard round the world, Saudi Arabia has kicked out Canada's diplomat, pulled 15,000 Saudi students out of Canadian universities, suspended flights between the two countries, and ordered its central bank to sell any Canadian investments it has despite the loss. But can we be all that bad if Saudi Arabia, in its huff, will still sell us more than 100,000 barrels of oil a day? Saudi oil is refined on the East Coast and is the primary source for fuel in Quebec and Atlantic Canada. Saudi Arabia feels that Canada is meddling in its internal affairs with its call for the release of the two prisoners. Prime Minister Trudeau has maintained that Canada will speak up for human rights and would continue to engage Saudi Arabia, although there will be no apology. Trade between the two countries is about $3 billion annually. This dispute has been a head-scratcher for most. Two countries with little to do with each other, yet we have a front-row seat to this diplomatic brawl. It's interesting to note the response from other countries to this dispute. The U.S. says we're both its friends and we should work it out. The response from the European Union, very similar. Many put the blame for the spat at the feet of Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman, who was trying to diversify the economy with his Vision 2030 plan. He's also been attempting to make Saudi society more open by allowing women to drive, although the reforms are too slow for many. Saudi Arabia is also in the midst of military action in Yemen and Bahrain, making the regions more unstable. And that's where we are today. Canada and Saudi Arabia at odds over human rights and meddling in domestic affairs. To get some perspective on the issue, I'm pleased to be joined by Peggy Mason, Executive Director of the Rideau Institute. Its mission is to help restore Canada to its former peacekeeping, peacemaking, and peacebuilding role in the world through creative and innovative multilateralism, strengthening the U.N., and building international law. And Peggy, thank you for joining us. When you first heard about this dispute, what was your reaction? Well, um, in a way, I wasn't, I wasn't totally surprised. Um, well, in fact, the thing I was surprised about was that the, the foreign minister kind of walked into, uh, you know, into it. Um, she appears to have been blindsided, but she shouldn't have been, because, of course, this has all happened before. The Swedish foreign minister, when she was, um, you know, she, she was the earlier version of the feminist foreign policy uh, back in 2011. She uh, criticized, well, she used the stronger language. She said that the lashing of Ralph Badawi, you know, his uh, wife is now a Canadian citizen, um, she said was it was medieval, and uh, the Saudi government, uh, you know, reacted vir- virtually in the same way. They even cut off diplomatic relations for a while, not just expelling the ambassador, but actually cutting off relations. So they are extremely thin-skinned when it comes to criticism, and um, and so. I was a little bit surprised that the that our foreign minister wasn't more aware of what a minefield it was. Oh, so you know, she should have sort of looked back at the uh, the foreign minister from Sweden and before actually uh, putting out that message, maybe uh, looked at her words a little better. Uh, I mean, I think 
of course, she wasn't. This happened in uh, March. The, the, the foreign minister one, of course, was, uh, you know, previous mm-hmm. previous government, yeah. March of 2015. So it was before this government came in. So you cannot, you can't blame her for not knowing about it personally. But where I would point to was global affairs. I mean, the bureaucracy and global affairs, the officials, of course, under uh, uh, Prime Minister Harper, I mean, it was full steam ahead with uh, Saudi Arabia improving relations in every possible way they could do no wrong. And uh, there hasn't really been any, you know, movement back from that, as far as I can tell, in terms of the bureaucracy. They have um, a very, very, I would argue, um, what can I say, rose-colored glasses view of Saudi Arabia. And we know some of the detail of that that we wouldn't normally have because a court case was launched against the big arms deal mm-hmm. that the, you know, the Harper government entered yeah. into, but then, the, um, then it was the liberals under Dion who, you know, who agreed to all the export permits. And a court case was launched, and that allowed us to see the actual memo that the department sent to the minister, Dion, recommending that the export permits be granted. Now, under Canadian law, where you're dealing with a country with as bad a human rights record as Saudi Arabia, um, there's a very strict test to follow. Well, this memo showed that the department basically paid almost no attention to the human rights dimension, even though that's what the policy required. They just skated over it, and instead they focused on, and this is language that I cannot get out of my head, they, they said that Saudi Arabia was a stabilizing influence in the region. And that's what we had to be concerned about. Well, you know, if you're Bahrain, when uh, when uh, the Saudis move in and the earlier version of Canadian Labs to put down the Arab Spring, um, if you're the 8 million people in Yemen that are starving as a result of the Saudi-led military coalition, um, if you're Qatar, a member, you know, one of the Gulf Cooperation Council neighbors of Saudi Arabia who've been under an illegal blockade, uh, because, uh, you know, the new Saudi prince doesn't like uh, their foreign policy, then you might wonder very much about characterizing them as a stabilizing um, influence in the region. But all of which to say, basically the departmental view was trade is all that matters and the rest of it is just window dressing. And that might have that been the, the view of the Harper government, but clearly the liberal government was putting a much higher premium on human rights. So in a way, this was kind of a collision waiting to happen. Peggy Mason is joining us on the Unpublished Cafe. She's the executive director of the Rideau Institute as we talk about the Canada-Saudi Arabia diplomatic dispute. And, you know, I think overreaction is the phrase I've heard a lot when, it, when yeah. we saw what happened to Saudi Arabia. Why, why such a harsh, harsh response? Well, uh, this, I mean, in a way, it's interesting. This, the, the, the crown prince is 32 years old. The, the, mm-hmm. the, um, and, uh, you know, it, it was a big shock that the king sidelined uh, the prince that everyone expected to be next in line and then chose this, uh, this 32-year-old who unfortunately bears a lot of characteristics of, uh, of, of Donald Trump. He's narcissistic, egotistical, can never be wrong, wants credit for everything. And if we just take this example, he will not share credit with anyone. If we just take what precipitated this whole thing, which is the, you know, the alarm expressed by the Canadian government um, about uh, women activists 
uh, not only being arrested because they campaigned uh, for women being able to drive, but being arrested and charged under the terrorism legislation, expressing alarm about uh, about that. And um, he, of course, the, the prince, one of his modernization moves was to grant the right of Saudi women to drive. So you say, well, why is he locking up? Why is he putting in jail women who campaign for this? Because he cannot share the credit. He and he alone was responsible. That's what the Saudi people had to know. He was responsible for granting this right to drive and no one else was going to share it. Well, I mean, if that doesn't give you some insight into this guy and what bad news he is. I mean, when he was, when he first uh, was, was, was raised to this high position of the crown prince, I mean, he essentially locked up most of his relatives who were, uh, might be, you know, might be rivals and uh, only let them out after they signed over all of their, uh, their money. Um, and of course, this has backfired spectacularly in terms of foreign investment because the writing is on the wall for Saudi Arabia. They have to diversify. And this is his big promise. He's the modernizer. He's going to modernize the economy and diversify. And to do that, he has to have foreign investment big time. But these kinds of actions and locking up all these relatives and some of them, you know, they were all in Saudi Arabia. I mean, the relatives are all the heads of all the various corporations. I mean, it scared foreign investors off. And now, actually, foreign investment is down, not up. So let me tell you, this guy is bad news. Do you expect this uh, current spat between Canada and Saudi Arabia to have an economic impact on either country? Well, I mean, the interesting thing is now in, in Saudi Arabia learned one lesson because, you know, they never they have not liked any criticism. And this is nothing new. Them not liking any criticism of their human rights record and money talks. And they, you know, they've bought a lot of silence with that money. But they have learned that they cannot jeopardize the oil exports because they've got to keep their role as a reliable export source. And, you know, there were earlier spats um, in the 70s when they, when they, they didn't, when they used oil as a tool um, to silence others, and it really hurt them. So they have, a special, they have special legislation, and it's kind of walled off uh, oil. So even, even this prince, Mohammed bin Salman, bin Salman, MBS as they call him, even he wouldn't dare interfere with that. And that's really the most significant level of trade besides the arms deal. And that's the biggest share, you know, is this we import, um, you know, a relatively small amount of oil in the scheme of things, but nonetheless, um, that, you know, he wouldn't, he's not touching that. So the other areas are not as significant. I mean, there, obviously there will be impacts. I mean, they're making noises about the arms deal that, you know, I mean, who can say anything with this prince? Because it's really often a case of cutting off your nose to spite your face. He doesn't think things through. Apparently, there are noises about the deal um, being in jeopardy. But I mean, you know, the we actually don't know how many how many labs of the new generation because that's what they've bought. Mm -hmm. They bought the new generation of labs, which had to be actually uh, development had to be completed, and then they had to be built. And that's why, although the deal was done under the under the Harper government, it actually, you know, there hadn't been any exports until the Liberal government came along because of this process of building the new generation. It's a very, very good product. I mean, this, you know, the Saudis can say, well, we can go anywhere and whatever. But, you know, they've invested a lot in it. And, uh, 
Um, uh, so we'll see. We'll see whether or not the deal is in jeopardy. I mean, I, I, we shouldn't be exporting these things to them in any event uh, because of their of the incredible. Um, not only they're incredible. I mean, we, we now have very solid evidence that they've used the labs to suppress civilian dissent. Um, of the Shia minority in, you know, in, in the eastern province of the country. We also have, you know, irrefutable evidence that they're using the labs in this horrific campaign in Saudi Arabia, where they've been accused by the UN, I mean, I mean in Yemen, of, um, of uh, war crimes. So, I mean, we really, really and truly, we should not be, we, you know, we shouldn't be exporting anything to them. Um, uh, but, and in fact, in a way, the government would, you know, would be let off the hook uh, if, um, if, if, if Saudi Arabia itself canceled the deal. But I, you know, I'd be, I, I would be surprised if they went that far. But how do we get out of it? The trouble mm-hmm. is this guy, is, you know, he's like Trump. He never backs down. He never admits he's wrong. And, uh, you know, I was looking back and trying to see uh, what happened with, um, uh, with Sweden. And, and basically it did, um, over time, I mean, they, things sort of got back on track again. Sweden did not... Uh, um, they did review their their military exports, but there was a change in government. So the new government did not block any exports to um, to um, uh, Saudi Arabia. So that continued, and after a while, you know, the relations sort of more or less got back on track when you know when people sort of weren't focusing on it anymore. But it did take a while. Now, I, I'm, I'm wondering, Peggy, uh, Prime Minister Trudeau says he won't apologize, but will continue to engage. The Conservatives feel Canada should apologize. What do uh, you I think mean, from the di- diplomatic perspective? Should, should Canada uh, apologize uh, or just engage? We have nothing to apologize for. I mean, nothing to apologize for. And it would be, I mean, you know, for the Conservatives, I mean, look at, look at the disgraceful behavior of uh, former Foreign Minister Baird jumping in, criticizing the government, and it turns out that he has all sorts of business interests in Saudi Arabia that he's representing, which weren't disclosed. I mean, you know, that is, uh, well, you know, it's reminiscent mm-hmm. of past behavior, sad to say. But no, Canada has nothing to apologize for, and that's the thing. That is the problem. I mean, when you get into this kind of a situation, um, uh, and, and I do think that, uh, I mean, I don't, I really do believe that they didn't they didn't intend for this to happen. I mean, they were making a statement that they had to know Saudi Arabia wouldn't be pleased with, but I don't think they expected this kind of reaction because, you know, they're, they're, they've withstood, the Liberal government has withstood a lot of criticism over the Saudi arms deal, and they've always emphasized the importance of the relationship, and they've always been very careful. So I think, frankly, they probably thought that they had a little bit of room to maneuver and they could make a, this statement, especially when there was a Canadian connection, because one of the women in Involved is the sister of the Canadian citizen, Ralph Badawi's wife, who's now who's taken refuge in Canada, is now a Canadian citizen. Her sister was arrested. So, you know, that gives a Canadian connection. It's appropriate for the foreign ministry to say something. Um, so, uh, but once you've done it, once you've taken a principal position, even if you didn't intend the consequences, you can't back down from it. I mean, that would just be, that would be devastating. I mean, you know, Saudi Arabia in this case is 100% in the wrong. So we're, tra- we're talking 
practicalities. I mean, they are they are complaining about um, about uh, so-called interference in international affairs in internal affairs, which is totally wrong because these are international human rights standards. When they, as I said, have this blockade with a neighbor, Qatar, because they won't toe the the same foreign policy line as Saudi Arabia. So you know, talk about hypocritical. So Canada can't apologize. I don't see how they, but the trouble is how, on a practical level, how do you get out mm-hmm. of it? What do you do? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I found it. I find what uh, really interesting is the, the reactions from our friends, the United States, the United Kingdom, the European Union. It seems to be lukewarm or just you two guys get along. Well, you see, of course, the U.S. I mean, you yeah. can, I mean, it's so typical because it's, you know, I mean, you know, one of the, one of the really tragic things is that one of the, one of the things that, that Obama was trying to do, and it actually started making pros, progress, he was trying to rebalance the relationship. He was trying to have a, a, a more, a little more distance from Saudi Arabia and, uh, and, and, and get Iran back into, you know, back into the international arena, trying to stop this, you know, devastating proxy war between, between the two countries. And, of course, the nuclear deal that was reached, that was part of that. And, uh, but, of course, you know, Trump was having none of that. I mean, anything, you know, destroy the Obama legacy, and therefore he threw, his, he threw his hat completely in the Saudi Arabian ring, like total support no matter what no matter what they do. So, of course, his reaction is, 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 is uh, understandable. The more disappointing one, but unfortunately, I mean, with respect to the U.K., I mean, it's Brexit. They are so vulnerable economically now with respect to, um, you know, uh, leaving the European Union that, I mean, they're, you know, the, the trade with, I mean, the, the prime minister has, has gone over to Saudi Arabia, I mean, cap in hand. She's been ridiculed in the British press because she's so desperate to just keep up the relationship and the deal. Uh, and, of course, they're supplying weapons to, um, uh, with great criticism, supplying weapons to you know Saudi Arabia and in in this war with Yemen, the European Union. I mean, it's interesting because that wasn't the case with Sweden. When when uh, Sweden, when the Swedish foreign minister had this critique, um, a motion was actually brought in the European Parliament condemning the flogging of uh, Ralph Badawi. And that that it passed. So they had um, at least the European Parliament supporting them. The European Union, again, you know, the timing is terrible uh, in terms of Canada because they're wrapped up in this terrible negotiation uh, with the UK over Brexit. And they've got this big problem with the um, the newer members from the, you know, the former East Bloc and immigration and some of the older members, too. So it's sort of like they've got. Uh, they, they've got so much on their plate that they don't have much courage. So I think behind the scenes, they're probably supportive, but, you know, publicly they're just, uh, you know, mm-hmm. lo- you know, looking for cover. Peggy, I want to thank you for joining us. Oh, you're quite welcome. It was my pleasure. Peggy Mason is the executive director of the Rideau Institute, a think tank focused on Canada and its place in the world when it comes to peacekeeping and peacemaking. As mentioned, the federal conservatives have been calling for the prime minister to apologize and normalize relations again with Saudi Arabia. It was the Harper Conservatives in 2014 that signed the contract to sell military vehicles to the kingdom, knowing full well its human rights abuses. When the Liberals won the election in 2015, they revisited that decision, but 
allowed it to proceed. While the Conservatives have been vocal in their criticism, it was a little out of left field that former Foreign Affairs Minister John Baird appeared on Saudi TV to call out the Prime Minister to apologize. It left many Canadians scratching their heads despite their political leaning. Charlie Angus is the NDP's ethics critic and the MP for Timmins James Bay, and he joins us on the Unpublished Cafe. And, and Charlie, let's look at this dispute first. Do you feel the Department of Global Affairs made a mistake in issuing that tweet? Well, I think the Saudis were looking for an excuse. The idea that, uh, you know, they lost their minds over a tweet about human rights when there's been other tweets to me is a little far-fetched. I imagine this has more to do with internal Saudi politics. Uh, I think that the fact is, is that the Trudeau government has done everything they can to kiss up to this regime. I, I don't know if the listeners remember the ridiculous uh, girl power summit that Patty Hadju tried to, to host. Um, they were going to have a human rights celebration with the Saudis on Parliament Hill and had to cancel it because the blowback was so obvious. So I, I think what the, 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 the Trudeau government and the, the Harper government have both tried to be very, uh, to suck up to the Saudi regime to make sure that the arms sales were going through. Uh, and I think that the Trudeau government was somewhat surprised when the Saudis turned around and bit them the way they did so publicly. Do you see Canada having any blame in this? I, I, I think that the Saudis are a deplorable regime. They have a horrific human rights record. Uh, they've undermined uh, global peace around the world. I was very disturbed that we were selling heavy weaponry to them. The prime minister said we were just sending them some jeeps. Uh, that's not the fact. Uh, their role in Yemen and uh, the killing of civilians there and the possibility that our weapons may have been used there, I think, is a legitimate issue for Canadians to discuss what kind of role we want to play. So, uh, you know, I'm not one to, 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 to give kudos to this government on many issues, but I, I think this, side, this attack from the Saudis was bizarre, and it, and it required Canadians to have a very strong pushback against this deplorable regime. No, you, you, you said the word bizarre, and, and to tell you the truth, when I saw John Baird appearing on Saudi TV, uh, I thought that was a little on the bizarre. Did he come clean on his affiliation with Barracks, which has interest in Saudi Arabia? Well, I think what's really deplorable about John Baird's actions is, you know, as a former foreign affairs minister, there is no other, there's very few other roles that a, a former government official can have with so much gravitas and cachet. I mean, for, for instance, can anyone imagine for the that Flora McDonald going on uh, a propaganda network of a foreign state to attack our country, it would never happen. So John Baird, number one, going on Saudi uh, state TV, not talking to Canadian media, but going on to kiss up to the Saudis. Number two, suggesting that the prime minister should fly over to Saudi Arabia immediately to, uh, to kiss their ring and apologize. That was equally deplorable. But I think what really stands out is that John Baird is a paid advisor for Barrick. Barrick is involved in a huge joint venture operation uh, with a Saudi state firm. For him to present himself as a foreign, former foreign affairs minister, not someone who's representing mining interests, uh, to me, uh, I just, I'm really let down by Mr. Baird, and I thought that regardless of political strikes, nobody would sell their nation out in such a sniveling and craven manner. Is it's uh, a conflict of interest uh, something to declare here? Well, you know that we the conflict of interest act was drawn up to prevent former government officials from trying to influence our government on deals. We never thought that it was wasn't written up the expectation that we'd have 
politicians trying to undermine our government. But, you know, Mr. Barrett has financial interests with Barrett. He hasn't declared them. Barrett has financial interests with the Saudi government. There's certainly questions with the Ethics Act, whether or not he's breaching it. But we haven't seen uh, in Canada a very robust enforcement of the uh, Conflict of Interest Act. So I don't expect to see anybody taking action against Mr. Barrett. I think the issue here is, is a fundamental one of his credibility. And our obligation as former you know, as public officials to make sure that we're not selling our nation out just uh, for financial gain or for, for cheap stunt. Charlie Angus is joining us on the Unpublished Cafe, the NDP's ethics critic and the MP for Timmins, James Bay. And, you know, when you see a situation like this, is this something where the conflict of interest rules need to be tightened up so it's black and white? Well, you know... The, the the thing that always amazes me in the long, tawdry history of Ottawa politics is there's always people always find new loopholes no matter how many rules you write. Uh, the Conflict of Interest Act does say that uh, someone will not be getting themselves involved in a, in a case where they had uh, previously in their former political life been active. John Baird was active on the Saudi file. John Baird had called out the Saudi government on human rights abuses. Uh, he does have financial interests. So there, there is, there is a, pre, there is, there is within the code or the act a possibility for the, the ethics commissioner to act. But you know, we've seen time and time again um, in Ottawa. You know, the big fish never gets seems to get called out on these things. I, I think it's just uh, the the nation should just be embarrassed that he he used his former role, his credibility, his dignity uh, as a public office holder to to kiss up to this to a regime as deplorable as the Saudis, to me, is just, it's just embarrassing. You know, when uh, we, we see this, this appearance by John Baird, how do you think it was received around the world, or is this just not on the, on the radar screen of other nations? Well, I, what was really telling is how our, you know, our supposed allies have been so muted on this because the Saudis carry big financial sticks. Uh, the Americans uh, have shown them, they seem to think that we're a threat to them now. We're not there with us, the Brits. We're pretty muted. But calling out the human rights abuses, we have five more people who are facing the death penalty, including a woman in Saudi Arabia right now. This is a regime that needs to be called to account. I think Canada could have played a better role. Um, I think the disturbing thing with John Baird is that he was presented internationally as a former foreign affairs minister, as someone who was representing a, a view of statesmanship as opposed to personal pecuniary interests. From your perspective, does Canada need to try and mend fences with Saudi Arabia or just walk away from this whole mess? Uh, I think we should tell them to go take a hike. Uh, This is a deplorable regime. We still haven't had a clear answer as to whether or not our arms that we're selling them have, if this deal has been suspended. Uh, We need to call out the latest round of human rights abuses. Again, uh, we have now a woman human rights campaigner who's facing the death penalty in Saudi Arabia. I would like to think that the rest of um, the Western world would stand with us and, and start to call this regime out. But these guys have gotten away with a lot because they have big, taken bankroll, enormous amounts because of the power of oil. But um, they're not our friends. Charlie, thanks for joining us. Great to be on the show. Thanks so much. Charlie Angus is the NDP's ethics critic and the MP for Timmins, James Bay.
Now, John Baird was invited to take part in the Unpublished Cafe podcast, and his office responded uh, very quickly uh, that he was unavailable until after Labor Day. So we will endeavor to get John on after Labor Day for his side of the story. Now it's time for you to let Canadians know how you feel about the diplomatic dispute. Should Canada apologize for meddling in Saudi Arabia's internal affairs? Should it cut all ties with the kingdom? Or should Canada follow its current path of lobbying for human rights without taking diplomatic or economic action? You can log on and vote right now at unpublished.vote and let people know how you feel. Thanks for listening to the Unpublished Cafe. I'm Ed Hand. <laughs>